0: Let's keep our Bibles right there at Psalm 19. Do you know what you just sang? You sang some pretty weighty words about the Word of God. You just sang that the law of the Lord is perfect. That means the best child training manual you're ever going to encounter in your life is the Bible itself. It's able to convert your soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. One generation comes and gives ideas on child training. Another generation comes and replaces them with something different. The Word of God, the testimonies of God are sure. They make wise the simple. You intimidated by having children wondering how to bring them up? Don't be intimidated. It's able to make the simple wise. The statutes of the Lord are right. Whatever God says in the Bible about training children, it's right. Amen, man. Just believe that. You can throw all caution to the wind. When you're reading the Bible, as long as you get the sense, you don't want to consider anyone else's opinion or your own feelings. You want to follow the Bible. The commandment of the Lord is pure. The statutes of the Lord are right. They enlighten the eyes. They rejoice the heart to read what God has to say on every subject, including child training. The fear of the Lord is clean. It endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. What the Lord assigns to deal with children, assigns to us in the training of children is altogether righteous and true and clean and it endures forever. The Word of God is our child training manual. But there is a verse here that we did not sing. And it's the next verse. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, there is great reward. If you compromise what the Word of God has to say about training your children, the pain that comes is severe. Not only for your children, but for you. Those of you with younger children, the jury is out. But the jury's coming back in. We will know what kind of a father you are when your 10-year-old is a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old. Moreover, by them is uh, thy servant warned. The book of Proverbs tells us that a foolish son is the calamity of his father. A grief to her that bore him. Though a mother loves her sons so much, or her son, if he's a fool, it is a terrible grief to her heart. There's warning in the word of God to save yourself from that pain. And in keeping of them, there is great reward. A happy family that loves each other and loves the Lord and serves the Lord is a wonderful blessing on earth. And the only way you're going to get it is through the doorway of Scripture and through the light of His Word that guides our path. There should be a warning to you in this series of messages and an encouragement to you that there's great reward in keeping God's commandments. That's the verse that we didn't sing, but there's a lot in it about our child training All I want to do in the time that we have this morning is to reemphasize and add to what I said last Sunday in order for you to understand that we have a mandate from heaven. I have done this at men's meetings because I really want the attention of the men. You are the trainers of your children. It's not the women. It's the men. You may assign some of the duties to her and she may be your subordinate and assistant But the primary obligation before God, as you saw clearly in the passages we read, is with the man. We believe in a patriarchal society, not a matriarchal. We believe in the men being the leaders of the home, the teachers of the children, the teachers of the wives, and the ones that lead their children to fear the Lord and to be great, like Abraham did. Remember the words that you had read to you? I know Him, that He will command his children, and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. Who was going to be out in front of those children? Dad was going to be out there. Dad wasn't going to be sitting at home making sure the children were picked up by a Sunday school bus. Dad was going to be out there first. Brother Ed, the Lord's reminding me of your commitment to that. And we comm- I commend you before the Lord in this congregation. Remember that testimony of His? When he was confronted by his daughter, about some things of scripture, he wanted to avoid, but he wouldn't avoid, because he wanted to be a true father in that house. And he's here today, and we praise the Lord for that. And that is a great testimony. He would command his house his children' his household after him. Today is so simple. Get convicted, get provoked, get excited that there is a great warning in what I'm trying to give you, and there is a great reward in what I'm trying to give you. A dysfunctional family with rebellious and disobedient children is a great pain. Obedient children that are the praise of the Lord and of men is a huge blessing. To sit in a home like that, where the children love each other, love the Lord, and want to serve the Lord's people and rule their spirits, what a wonderful way to live. Right here is the choice in the Word of God. The first thing I want to remind you of, fathers are the leaders of children, the trainers of children, the teachers of children. I began this service with Psalm 3411 where David said, Come ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. The father didn't say, Come ye children, go to mommy and have her read the Bible storybook to you tonight. Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Every man, get gripped. You know, it, it amazes me whenever I hear a man speak about feeling competent to be a manager. Whenever I hear a man talk about being competent to be a manager, all you have to do is look at his wife and children. Does he really want to be a manager? He's got a management situation on his hands. That's a wife and children. And it is a skill and a duty that God's given us. Every man's capable of it. Don't talk to me about management unless you're managing your wife and children well. God made men to be the leaders of their homes. And you need to be gripped. Are my children trained? And I've tried to reduce it to three little things. Trained to love God, to love others, to rule themselves. To deny themselves, to rule their passions, to be third. Instead of being first, instead of being second, being third. Are your children trained that they always think God first, other second, and I'll squeeze in somewhere at the end? That is what we want for all of our children. And that's boiling it down as simple as I can. There'll be more. Detail than that to come. It's a command primarily for fathers. We saw that last week. I don't need to repeat those verses. Child training is not discipline. Child training is not punishment. The dad that once in a while comes crashing down the kids, that's not training. Try to train a horse that way. Try to train any animal that way. Just once in a while coming crashing down on it. It doesn't work. That's not training. It's only a small part of training. Loving leadership. Notice Abraham was out in front of them. Loving leadership, guiding instruction, patient reminders, and fair and kind enforcement are all part of training. It's not once in a while reaching the end of your patience and blowing up and crushing the child. They're not going to learn anything and they're going to grow up to hate you. Good job, you failed. It's training your children. Come here, my children, and let me teach you the fear of the Lord. That's not crushing anybody. That's not discipline. That's instruction. That's nurture and admonition of the Lord. I don't recommend books very often. But I'm going to recommend a book. And I'm going to buy a bunch of them, and I'm going to give them to you. Here's a little book. Instead of reading what some humanist psychologist that is an anti-Christian... Jim, Jim, Jimmy Dobson is Antichrist. Jesus said that we are to love others as we love ourselves. Jimmy says you need to learn to love yourself. Jesus says the perilous times of the last days our men being lovers of their own selves. Jimmy says we need to learn how to love ourselves. Jimmy's a humanistic psychologist. Jimmy is not a Christian. By any definition, it's in the Bible. Jimmy doesn't teach the Bible. If Jimmy taught the Bible, he'd be put off the air on all the radio stations that he's on. I'll give you a farmer in place of a psychologist. A farmer that believes the Word of God will give you much better advice than a psychologist that's been taught in a secular university and is trying to please all the politicians in our country and unite all the denominations that stand against the Word of God. This little book right here, I'll buy it for all of you. It's awesome. It's awesome. Those people are all wearing funny clothes in that little buggy there. I guess they might be Mennonites or Amish. But do you know what? They raised animals... And they know that you can train an animal to do certain things. And if we can train an animal, then most of our kids can be trained. They all can be trained. And you know what? You don't go around beating... You don't walk out to the barn someday because you're in a bad mood and take a baseball bat and club your horse. He ain't going to like that. And he's not going to be too cooperative the next time you come out. You know, you're laughing with me. That is not child training. This is an excellent little book. This is an excellent little book. I just opened it. And hap- it happened on a quote that I shared with a couple of you yesterday. For instance, this is, the, this is the homespun wisdom of a man that believes the Bible and has raised some animals. When one of us would be spanking a child and he cried for the other parent, then the other parent would come over and contribute to the spanking. I like that. Kids, do you like this? I'm not trying to be amusing right now. I'm going to buy this for all of you. Let's all read this. Let's all see the Word of God and what it says about a rod brought to bear in a very kind and loving way. You know, if the rod's used in the right way, very gently, very early, you hardly ever have to use it. A farmer instead of a psychologist. Let's try him on. I'll buy it for you. To train up a child. It has sold many, many thousands of copies. You saw in Genesis chapter 18 that today we've been talking about Abraham. And we saw that Abraham, the greatest man to the Jewish nation, was a great father. We want to be like that great man. You heard me read about David and what he did with Solomon. Go back to Proverbs chapter 4 that our brother Mike read to us. And let me remind you what those words are saying. Proverbs chapter 4. I want to get your attention. It's a mandate from heaven. God commands us to train our children. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. What makes a horse skittish? Beating that horse when the horse doesn't know what's going on. Beating that horse inconsistently. Children get skittish when a parent is not consistent and not loving and not balanced and fair and gentle all at the same time and leading that child with tenderness. And when that skittish child gets older and when he realizes that he's been abused by his father, then that father's going to have hell to pay. Proverbs chapter 4. Hear ye children the instruction of a father. There it is again. This is the word of the Lord, and His word is right and true and altogether correct and clean and pure and converting the soul. It's the Father that's doing the job. The Father's doing the talking. You know, there's a lot of quiet men. But give me one of those quiet men that can get the courage up to call His children around for a few minutes and open His mouth and teach them the fear of the Lord And what the Lord's done in his life, and what the Bible teaches him to teach those children, and that's a great man. He doesn't have to be some verbal mountain of expounding on the Word of God as long as he's laying out the precepts of God's Word. But it's not the woman. It's the Father. And Solomon's telling us a secret here. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. Solomon's talking to his children. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me. And for the next number of verses, those are David's words. Those are David's words to Solomon, who in turn was telling his children, listen to me. I'm giving you good doctrine because I had a good father who gave them gave it to me. It's a mark of great men, is the second point that I'm trying to make. You know, when we look in the Bible, isn't it amazing that the jailer's household was saved in one night? Converted in one night? Cornelius' household. Do we read about any teenagers that didn't want to show up? Do we read about a wife that didn't want to be there? Cornelius led his house. God has spoken to me and this man Peter that's coming to speak to us, you're all going to be there, and you're going to pay close attention. Throughout the Bible, we see that great men lead their families. They do not turn it over to the woman. They do not turn it over to the public school system. They don't turn it over to the Sunday school teacher. They don't turn it over to the pastor. They lead their homes. They sit and talk to each of their children to help them through their problems, lead them, guide them, teach them, remind them, warn them, enforce what you've taught them. You want to be a manager? You've got the opportunity. You know what? I've just given you men, and I've told you this in private, in a little more graphic language than I'll use right now. You want to seduce your wife and you want your wife to love you? Then love her children and lead her children. She has a nesting instinct about those children a desire to see them loved, led, guided, protected by their by their father. And she will love you I have testimonies sitting in my email folders of women and what they have to write to me when their husband takes the time to sit down and read the Word of God and gently and lovingly show her children that she bore to him how much about the God of heaven. There isn't any way on earth, it's not by whining, it's not by dining, that you can get a woman in that condition that writes and tells me how she adores the man that she married because he's doing that. And when they sit in this church and they hear that that's your duty and you don't do it, they know that they married a loser. And there is no other explanation for it. They know they married a loser. They married down instead of up. May God have mercy. Great men teach their children the fear of the Lord. You know, there was a man in the Bible that didn't do it and his name was Eli and God miserably destroyed him. You know, Eli looked good when the boys were young. He bought them toys. They followed him to church. But then when they got older, those sons of Eli were terrible. And Eli did not restrain them physically. He should have done like Phinehas did with his own two sons, and the Lord would have loved them. But instead, the Lord destroyed him miserably. The third reason that God wants us to train our children is because it's necessary, because children are brought into this world with a depraved little heart. Look at 22.15 in the book of Proverbs. You're already there. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15. There's a mandate for it from heaven. We corrupted the race in the Garden of Eden. We've got to make up for that by some training. Proverbs 22 and verse 15. We can't make up for all of it, but we can make up for some of it. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Notice the verse tells us two things, two main things. There's a problem and there's a cure. The problem is foolishness is bound in the heart. That means it doesn't leave when you ask it to. You can talk to a child and say, Would you please be wise from here on out? I know that you're five now. And we got you a birthday cake and a bicycle. But would you be wise from here on out? They can't do it. Foolishness is bound in their heart. But the Bible tells us about the key. The Bible tells us there's a secret device that can get that foolishness out of their heart. And it's not pampering them. It's the rod of correction will drive it far from them. There is a benefit to pain. But that is not where we start in child training. We start in very different ways. And I want you to use that little book that I just got you that's primarily that I will get you and just showed you. That book is primarily for very young children because you want to start young, you won't have to work so hard when they're older. It's necessary due to the nature of a child. Foolishness is bound there. They think selfish thoughts. They think idiotic thoughts. They don't think responsibly. They don't think about God first, neighbor second, and rule my spirit. They say my spirit wants, therefore I... Expect. And they throw their little temper tantrums and fits because they're incredibly selfish by nature. That's bound. Bound. It doesn't, you don't shake it out once. You've got to drive it out, and it can be driven. Look at chapter 29, the book of Proverbs. Solomon, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a, a Bible that can that can range from The theology of Galatians chapter 3 to the practical wisdom of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 29 and verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. If you let a child just go through life, go to school, grow up, feed it, clothe it, bed it, it's going to shame the parents because it will default to foolishness. It's got a default mechanism. This is why God commands child training. And I could go on and on as you know I could. We want to train the fear of the Lord, the love of God, the love of neighbor, and ruling their spirits. They don't do that by nature. Now I've, show, I've mentioned from Pro, Psalm 19 that there is great reward in training your children. Let me show you just a few painful verses. You're in chapter 29. Look at verse 17. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. And that correction needs to be applied the way the Bible describes God correcting us. God doesn't crush me every time I disobey. He is incredibly merciful and long-suffering with me. You, You know my favorite verse to pray. I think you know it. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that love him. Pity! Pity of children is a great part of being a great father. It's not just crushing them. So when it says correct, and correction will give you rest, and correction will give you delight, that's not the only part of child training. It's just part of it. And it's to be done the way God has prescribed it to be done. Which will have more to say... And that little book that I'm getting for you has more to say. The point we want to make right now is that look at the reward. Look at the reward of verse 17. He shall give thee rest. When there is a rebellious teenager in the house, there is no rest. He shall give delight unto thy soul. To have an obedient son that's commended by others that run into him, that does what you ask him to do, that speaks the way you want him to, that avoids the friends you tell him to stay away from, that is delight to a man's soul. But let's jump back up to that 15th verse. A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And I could multiply these verses over and over that if you don't train your children, it's going to cause you pain. If you do train them, it'll give you peace and a reward. So there's a high incentive given by the God of heaven in the Bible for us to train our children. Look at Proverbs chapter 17. On the same point, but a little different. There's many other verses that you can use in the book of Proverbs. He does warn parents that if they don't train their children, they're going to suffer for it. And if they have a fool, foolishness can be driven out of a child. If you don't drive it out, you're going to have a fool and it's going to cause you a calamity. It's going to be a calamity in your life. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 6. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. You know, this is an observation of Solomon. But it's not always true. Not all fathers are the glory of their children. Because the observation of Solomon includes something. It includes your understanding a good father. A child, though, will often admire and honor and love and esteem even a bad father for a long, long time because there's very little malice in a child. He will adore his father as the mightiest man and the smartest man way longer than that father deserves, even when he's foolish. But the real glory of children is a good father. They're so thankful for having a good father and it says children's children are the crown of old men what are your grandchildren going to be like what kind of a crown will you wear a crown of dung or a crown of gold this isn't true of all grandchildren there's grandchildren that drive grandfathers crazy grandchildren that the crown of old men are obedient grandchildren good grandchildren This is like when the Bible says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Really? When I read Solomon, he said he tried a thousand, he really hadn't found a good one. When I read Solomon, he said it's better to dwell in the wilderness than with the ones I've been dating and marrying. So what does he mean when he says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing? It's whoso findeth a virtuous wife. That is to be understood. That is an ellipsis. Just like right here. It's obedient and godly grandchildren that are the crown to old men. Old men that see their fathers, their, their grandchildren in prison and doing all, committing all other sorts of crimes, being dysfunctional in their homes, breaking up their marriages. When an old man sees that, it tears his soul out before he gets to die. A mandate from heaven to train our children. It's a commandment. Great men did it. It's necessary because of the hearts of children as they arrive in this world. Do you know the Bible says that the wicked go astray as soon as they are born speaking lies? Psalm 58 and verse 3. You do not need to teach your child how to lie. They are lying immediately. Immediately. Wise parents can figure it out as soon as the tone and volume of their crying changes. There is a cry because they're wet, lonely, hungry, or, or otherwise. Then there is a scream of rage and it is totally different and wise parents can easily pick that up and wise parents get very upset when they hear that noise because that noise is straight out of hell. There isn't a thing wrong with that child. You walk in there and take one look at them and they smile because they won by going into a rage and demanding that you come in and pay attention to them. Your vision should be blurred at that moment. But your mind should be clear. That little guy just lied to you. That's the sin nature that's in every single one of us. David said, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. There isn't some point. You know, some people think, even though we deny the age of accountability, it's like they, they think that somebody less than a year doesn't really have a sin nature. Their sin nature is as active as it's ever going to be. Just listen. Just watch the selfishness that exudes from them. When was the last time they thanked you? You say, well, they couldn't. Well, no, they couldn't. They couldn't because they have none of it in them. A default mechanism needs to be corrected. Foolishness is bound in their heart from the very first moments of life. And then if we we train our children, it saves us from the pain that's going to come. I try to warn you parents. You parents with younger children, it's very different. You know, just an average person could take 20 of your young children and run a model family. It's nothing. It's going to get a lot harder. You know, I try to t- I try to tell some of you parents what happens to to boys and girls when they, they hit 10 to 14 years of age. The Lord comes in and visits them in the night while they're in their bed. And rolls up their sleeves and gives them an injection of hormonal power, and it changes them greatly, and it's god 's way, and it's right and it's glorious. You know, I had a father just last Sunday bring a son to me and say something about the the little pimple that had appeared on his nose. You know those little pimples are are glorious things young people don't don't hate those little pimples it's not you don't want to look for more but You know what those little pimples mean? You got extra oil in your system because the Lord's been dealing with you at night. He's been giving you hormonal injections and changing you. And while you've got children 10 years of age and under that have no hormones, take on 20 of them, no problem. Line them up around the table, give them their food. They all come to devotions and they all sit there cheerfully because daddy's there. But wait till they're older. Now, if you do it right when they're under 10, they're going to do it between 10 and 20, and they're going to do it between 20 and 30. Just don't give up. And don't quit. And when you see the first defiant act come across their face, deal with it. But be glad for it. Because without that independence that's starting to exert itself, they'll never be an adult. Do your jobs well. Do you know why I'm trying to get your attention right now with what I'm saying? Go home with all those little children and do a thorough job so that you don't have to face a 16-year-old teenager that's as tall as you are and is spitting pure fury from their eyes and hates your guts. You say, that sounds terrible. That's how the world lives. That's how many Christian families live. So-called Christian families. Love those children now in the way that the Bible describes and the way God loves us. A, A large family is a wonderful blessing. You should know I believe that. If I have any complaints about the size of my family, it's not big enough, not too small. A large family is a blessing. But while you're bringing in those small children into the world, you better be making preparations for the future to be able to handle them, train them, And leave them functioning adults because that's what God's commanded you, and you shouldn't be bringing them in unless you're going to train them up in the way they should go. Did you love Psalm 78 being read to you for about the hundredth time in this church? Brother Matthew Jones read Psalm 78 to you, the first eight verses. Does that excite you? Let me tell you a secret about Chris Carnell that I've known for a long time. He's been waiting to put that passage into practice. And Sarah, you're going to help him do that by the grace of God. Amen. I know that. I know that young man. When he when he hears Psalm 78 read in here, I get an email on Monday or Tuesday about his excitement of wanting to put that into practice. Did, did it excite you? Psalm 78 was that passage that was read to us that had four generations following the fear of the Lord because of one man that taught His children who were to teach the generation to come so that they could teach their children. Does that excite you at all? That's family planning in the Bible sense of the word. We had a couples retreat about that subject. We've dealt with that at length in other in other settings. That is our mandate. That's Psalm 78. That's the Word of God. Is it clean? Is it pure? Is it right? Is it altogether lovely? Is it as sweet as honey to your taste and as valuable to you as gold? That's your family tree, Psalm 78 is. Do you like to read about Jonadab? You know, there's a whole chapter in the Bible dedicated to Jonadab the Rechabite. Jeremiah 35. Jeremiah was sent by the God of heaven to go and find the Rechabites. The children, it wasn't the children, it was the great-grandchildren of Jonadab. And the Lord told Jeremiah, call them in together and set wine before them, and make them drink wine. Jeremiah pours wine. He had the best Cabernet. It wasn't Stinking Owl, brother. It was the best Cabernet that he could get his hands on. I have a man in this church, brethren, that, that torments me for being a drinker of cheap wine. But it's good torment. He loves me and I know that. I just couldn't, avoid, couldn't resist that. Jeremiah poured wine for all the children of the Rechabites, the great-grandchildren. You know what they all told Jeremiah? We ain't going to touch that. Amen. We ain't going to touch that wine because our father, Jonadab, told us that we are to drink no wine and we're to, we're to build no permanent dwelling places because God's going to judge this nation and we might as well get used to that idea. And the Lord said to Jeremiah, I want you to know that the men that you're looking at are greater than anybody in this nation Because I'm going to have to judge this nation because they won't obey me, their father. But those men have obeyed their father and it wasn't their father and it wasn't their grandfather. It was their great, great grandfather for a couple of hundred years. That is a great family tree. I think some man did taught some children the fear of the Lord and the fear of daddy so that they kept that for generations. May the Lord bless us to have families like that. Brethren, it adorns the Gospel. When we have children, I know about some of the testimonies of people coming up to some of the families in this church when you're in restaurants and saying that they have never seen children so well behaved. Praise the God of heaven. Let's just keep adorning the doctrine of God our Savior with our children. I love the testimony of Hiram, king of Tyre when Solomon wrote his first letter to him he wrote back and said blessed be the lord jehovah of heaven that has given david such a wise son what do you want young man to build your house that needs to be exceeding magnificent to the god of heaven the god of your father david i'll provide it go read it first kings chapter 5 king of tyre because solomon in the early days of his career was such a noble son to his father David. It encouraged the heart of a man at a great distance and we don't know his soul condition, but he was the king of a pagan nation. It contends with the wicked in this degenerate generation. We are living in the perilous times of the last days and one of the marks of the perilous times is disobedience to parents. In Second Timothy chapter 3, So this is a way that we can combat the perilous times. It's not just thundering from the pulpit. It's training in the home. That's how we can oppose the perilous times. Most Christian families today, their children are out of control. I mean, most of those that claim the name of Christ in our nation have no control of their children. We can combat that by keeping control of ours and adorning the doctrine of God our Savior and opposing the compromise that's taking place on every side, in every area, in the name of Christianity. Look at Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. Do you know there's another reason why you should train your children? How much do you love them? How much do you love them? If you love them, then you are thinking about their future so that they can be happy and successful and functional. Which means you have to do things today for them way out in the future. They can't see the future. They don't think about the future. You have to help them toward the future. Proverbs thirteen twenty four says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. That means early. Betimes means early. If you truly love your children, you will begin chastening them early to drive that foolishness out of them so that they don't cost themselves any trouble by getting into trouble or an early death. If you love your child, you want to save them from that kind of trouble. Look at 23, chapter 23. I received feedback on this verse and I want to, this last Sunday, and I want to make sure you understand exactly what it's saying to us. Proverbs chapter 23, withhold not correction from the child, verse 13, I'm sorry, Proverbs 23:13, withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die, thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell, now we need to put a sense on those words, that doesn't mean that you can give eternal life to your child with a rod. That doesn't mean that you can beat your child as hard as you want and God's going to keep him alive for the next one. What that means is if you will beat your child appropriately in a godly way for godly reasons after proper instruction and reminding and warning you can save your child from an untimely death right. and from hell in this life and hell as, a, as the grave. That's what it's teaching. If you truly love your children, then you want to save them from all that trouble. And you know, one of the biggest troubles that young people get into is marrying the wrong person. That's why we're so strict about that matter in this church. That's one of the biggest mistakes you can make, is to marry an unbeliever. It's a, it's a commandment of God not to marry an unbeliever. And the trouble that we have all witnessed that are adults, over and over and over, we want to save our children from that because we love them. All of you young people, the reason we are restrictive on who you get to be around, when you get to be around them, is because we love you. We want you to be happy. We have seen and felt more pain than you can even imagine. You're still too young to know about pain. Let me tell you something. Marriage to the wrong person is far worse than being single. You cannot grasp that while you're single and young, but it is far worse And we are trying to save you from that. And if it takes time for you to find someone to marry you, that is better than finding the wrong one. And I have members of this church that would line up to give you personal testimonies if you needed to hear it from those who have experienced it. You know, another reason why we should train our children is because they're not ours. They're on loan to us from the Lord. Children are the heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is His reward. They're on loan from the Lord. Do you know what He's going to ask for? Shortly? What'd you do with my loan? I loaned you seven. I loaned you four. I loaned you five. What'd you do with my loan? Parents will give an account for what they've done with what God has given them. We want a people prepared for the Lord. A people prepared for the Lord are families where children and fathers get along great. If a father is doing his job and getting along with his children well, the wife's going to be in great, a great situation with the husband and with the children. That's a happy family. The Lord doesn't even have to bother mentioning the wife because she's going to fit in just perfectly if a man's doing his job. I mention these words often, and with these words I'm closing. John the Baptist was sent with the prophecy that he was to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers to make ready a people for the Lord. Is there any stronger mandate that you want from the Word of God than that one? And Zechariah was told by the angel, this son that you're about to have named John, That is his ministry. He is going to preach the gospel of repentance and he is going to reunite fathers and sons to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. May the Lord bless us to have fathers and sons united together, loving each other, training generations to come to fear the Lord. You have a mandate from heaven. This isn't just an idea. When we go home today, like I told you last Lord's Day, your day is not over. You have work to do and it's not your business. You have work to do, and it's not bodily exercise. You have work to do, and it's not reading a novel. You have work to do, and that's investing in your children and your children's children. May God bless us to that end that we'll have God-fearing children and families far into the future until Jesus Christ comes. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.